what's up y'all how y'all doing hey y'all hey 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 welcome back to another episode of the world's weirdest podcast on your girl me leah marie mother of all things weird come on in and have a seat <clears throat> come on in and have a seat here now okay um if you're new here welcome to the world's weirdest podcast house of weird um come in take your shoes off okay dinner's getting prepared uh so we're gonna have you wash your hands right if you're thirsty i got something for you we got water juice and if you're feeling spicy we got coffee if you're not new here welcome home you know the drill take your shoes off wash your hands and get ready for dinner all right y'all so um at the beginning of the season um i had mentioned to you that i was going to give y'all a little little story time a little backtrack of my life um i still like the reasons why i be, i was gone i was gone for some time very inconsistent with with y'all and i know and i told you that i might give you a little insight on what had been going on in my life um and i think i think now that we have turned over a new year and um you know 2023 is behind us i would be real with y'all and have probably one of the most vulnerable episodes that i've had thus far um because y'all y'all are family right and life is life life gives us gives us lessons okay um and so there's not going to be a real major focus necessarily on like the episode so i might have some things um that you know some little tidbits you know i like to have my little my little tidbits at the end things that we can pull out um of this but i think if i had to pick one it would really be resilience and um <clears throat> a lot of this is going to be obviously you know um there's going to be some faith-based things in in here so um if you're not christian cool fine whatever but um god is a big portion of this so you know can't go without it um another thing that i will say is um a lot of this a lot of what i had to go through is really for me right there's a lot of faith that i had to have through this transition there's a lot of um, understanding that i had to come to um, a lot of realizations that i needed to accept about myself and my surrounding people um, that are around me in no form of fashion am i going to badmouth anybody that's involved in this y'all y'all know me i'm not a huge fan of really identifying people i am very vague um, when it comes to certain people that are attached to my stories other than my key people like best friend mr man you know all of that good stuff um so that's still going to be the same i'm going to be as vague as i can and just kind of keep things a lot generalized because you know some of y'all actually know me for real some of you don't and either way um you know this is personal right this is this is a journey that i've walked through so um so um going back to june i'd say um things got crazy for me back in in june well <laughs> 2023 was crazy in general uh, but my transition uh from the east coast to the west coast started back in june um and so i moved out of my place at the end of june and um july came around and so um i had a best friend and this is now listen <laughs> for the for those of y'all that don't know about like certain things about christian about christianity and just christian church black church to be specific um we all know that we have titles not titles let me not say that there are people that have certain gifts okay that god had given them and one of the things that i always say i don't care who you are i will say it to your face um there is a level there's a gift called uh the gift of prophecy 
And so some people who walk in it are called prophets or prophetess if we're speaking about a woman. Um, And so I have a lot of people that are around me that either have the gift of prophecy or they walk in that, right? Um, And so (laughs) I always tell people, you don't want to kick it with people. And even if you don't have the gift of prophecy, you really, it, it it is a different level when you are close to people that God talks to. (laughs) Some people really, really want to be around and have friendships and be close with people who have this gift of prophecy because they think that it's cool and whatever, whatever. Let me tell you something. (laughs) It's great, but that also means that you gotta be mindful of how you live your life because when God be talking to folk and you close to them, God be, God be rambling. Okay. God is like a teenage high school girl. He be talking, he be talking. And I got a lot of them around me. Um, and so <laughs> in particular, my best friend is one of those people. Um, cause baby be praying, baby be praying for me. And I love her. I love her for that. Okay. She don't ever forget about her friend, but God be talking to her and I'd be like, dog, <laughs> so she called me um and she she told me something that God had told her one day which prompted me to move okay um a little backstory i have not had the best relationship with my family um for a while and so one of my biggest prayers was god you know i really want to be close to my family i really want that reconciliation to happen um i want to be able to like, I really want my family to become closer, become a lot more close-knit. Um, and so that was one of those things. I didn't necessarily know at the time, but that was going to be one of those things. So that's that was a prayer for me for 2023. God, I just want family, my family to be reconciled. Um, and so through July happened. I bought my ticket the beginning of July um, to move out to the West Coast. Um, and you know, all the transitions that happened, right? Um, so that was that fast forward to the end of July, I make my way to the East coast, to the West coast, excuse me. Um, and, um, I'm here. Some of the plans that I had fell through, right? Um, a job and which, uh, transpired into like not being able to immediately get into my own place. So, uh, where I am, I got family. And so I had asked one of my family members, Hey, like, can I stay with you? Cause I was staying with one of them, uh, for a little while, just because I hadn't seen them in a while. And so I just spent my, I spent the first week, like five days with, with them. I asked another family member, I said, Hey, is it cool if I stay with you for a while? Um, and they told me no, right? Uh, they told me no. And then, oddly enough, um, they sent me this link to a website. No, no, like, message. They just text me this link to a website. And I opened the link, and it was, it was, it was a link. It was a webpage to a shelter, <laughs> It was a pay. It was that's what it was. It was a website of a um, of a um, domestic, like a domestic violence shelter for for women and children. I was very confused because I had no context. Twenty minutes goes by, and I get a phone call from this family member. It was like, "Hey, I'm picking you up at eight, and this is where you're gonna go." And I was confused. I was like, maybe this isn't this isn't the place that they were intending on like telling me about. Because when they were talking to me about it, it sounded more of like like a program almost. Like she uh the the uh what am I trying to say? The website was very vague, and so when I got when I, as I was reading through and then I went back and asked them about it, they were like, oh yeah, this is, this is the place. And I was like, 
this can be the same place. But the way that it was explained to me was more like a program, like I said, like a program where you go and they help you with a lot of different things. And so at that moment, at that moment, I didn't really have a choice. The family member that I was staying with in in the current moment wasn't a hundred percent uh like knowledgeable of what of the of what was happening until the next until the following morning. And so the person that um sent me the link, the other family member, they came and picked me up at eight. And in my mind, I was so heartbroken because I was like, y'all, I really just flew 2,000 miles cross country to literally end up in a homeless shelter. Um, so it was wild. So we're moving, like moving along. They drop, the family member drops me off. And um, this family member had a friend who had a friend that worked in the shelter. And so... <clears throat> So, um, so I meet, I meet the, the employee or whatever. And, and he explains to me like the process and what's getting ready to go on. And so I get checked in. Um, and for the first, I'd say solid 10 days, I could not believe that I was a resident in a homeless shelter specifically for uh, women who are fleeing domestic violence. Like that is the primary reason for the shelter. Um, Obviously there were, uh, you know, other people that were there naturally, but um, the, the kind of the main focus are DV, um, uh, escapees. And so I'm not going to lie to y'all. I felt so shattered in that moment. Um, and, and I had to have a serious, serious conversation with God. And I was like, listen, big dog. Um, (laughs) I don't know if you're aware of what's happening. Um, but I need I need you to tell me something, right? I need you to tell me something. And depending on like the situation, the way that I pray and communicate with God will differ. Um, in this moment, I was very forthcoming. I was like, "Listen, <laughs> you better tell me something ASAP because I got enough bread in my account to book a flight back." to Virginia, because if this is going to be the case, I'd much rather be homeless in Virginia than be homeless out here. Okay. Not to mention within the first 48 hours of me being over here, I was ready to go. I was ready to go because family is wild. They was bugging. Family was bugging within the first, and I'm not even going to say 48 hours. It really, it really was in the first 24 hours, okay? Because I landed that day. The day I landed here, we went. The very next morning at 5.30 a.m., family was presenting some BS to me. And I was like, this is crazy. You couldn't even wait. You couldn't even wait. You could not wait. Anywho, fast forward. Um, So I'm in the shelter, right? They have a rule where they shut down the residential floors at 8 a.m. So from 8 a.m. to 3.45 p.m., you are not allowed on the residential floors. Um, And so you have to stay downstairs on the first floor or you can leave. So I would leave for the day, every day until I got my job at the school um at you know my teaching job and so the family member that I was staying with when I first got here I would uh, I would go over their house and just chill for the day um and funny enough so they called me crying they were crying 
Um, and the boyfriend was actually really upset um, by what my family had done. So one day when I had gone over to their house, um, they were like, yeah, uh, you know, me and so-and-so almost got into it because I don't appreciate how your family, you know, went about this. And so he was checking in with me and was like, you know, are you good? Yo, you all right? And I told him, I said, I really don't have a choice. So I'm really going to look at this as um, an opportunity. They say that this place helps with a lot of different things, will pay for a lot of different things. So I'm just going to take it and, and you know, uh, be, you know, use it, use it to the best of my ability. But it was difficult. I'm not going to lie to you. It was difficult. It was even more difficult because um, at the time, you know, like the students, not the students, but the kids were getting ready to go back to school just naturally, right? It was that time, August. Everyone's getting prepared to go back to school. So um, at the at the shelter, they had a back to school event. They had a couple of them, but the first one, um, it was weird because it was like, I'm watching these uh, women who are really who really had some bad situations. Like they really were escaping some real life issues. Like they had some real life issues going on and they had music um, at the event. And so watching these ladies just have a little bit of fun, you know, dancing, singing, things like that, kids running around. Everyone's having a good time to sit back and, and watch what's going on in my head. I really was like, I don't belong here. These women, like I, I felt like I was taking up a space for someone who really needed, who really needed to be there, right? Because I didn't need to be there because I had family, right? So I thought. Um, so I was there for a while. I was there for three months, um, and I went through a lot of emotions. I, I was up and down. Um, I really had to dig deep and and figure out what to do, not figure out what to do, but like, I just, in this moment, like, I'm really talking to God. I'm like, you really need to tell me something like, help me out. Help me out. Uh, tell me that I need something. Give me something because this is crazy that I'm waking up in a shelter every day. <laughs> um, and so I had a moment where God did, he, he spoke, he spoke back. That's one thing about God. You talk to God, he going to talk back. He going to talk back. Um, and he told me some things. He told me why I was here, um, and, and why I'm going through this process of, of turmoil, right? I'm crying every other night. Um, now I wouldn't say I was depressed, but I was sad. I was, I felt so betrayed. That's what it was. I felt betrayed. I had a moment where I, I was very vulnerable with God. And I said, you know, you know how I feel about my family. You know that I have a a continual, a continually healing wound con that that is my family, right? Um, and it seems like every now and again, to give y'all the best analogy, I have a I have a gash on on my body. And only pieces of it will heal up and scab over. But there's always enough, um, enough of the wound that is still exposed that if there's any amount of trauma, the wound will reopen. And because I ended up in this shelter, I feel as though my wound was in fact gashed back open. And then there was some coarse kosher salt that was dumped in it as I felt in the moment. And I told God that. And I said, listen, I really need you to tell me something because this is how I feel. Right now in this moment, this is how I feel. And you know what? My family could really, could really, you're, <laughs> could really do some things. And I would, you know, anywho. So, um, so the bulk of my time that I was gone was because of that. Um, dealing with that, right? So, I would never wish upon my worst enemy um, having to end up in a homeless shelter because it's crazy. You're in there with a bunch of different people, a bunch of different personalities. Um, a, a, you're surrounded by despair. You're surrounded by depression. 
um, drugs, addiction, you know, you're surrounded by a lot of things because you don't know who's going through what that's next to you. Um, and that first 10 days that I was there, baby, I ain't talk, I wouldn't even say, yeah, it was two weeks. Actually, that first two weeks, I ain't talked to nobody. I didn't make eye contact with nobody. I didn't speak to nobody. <laughs> I had my head down and my headphones on. I hated the idea of even looking at these people because I'm here. Not that they didn't do like, you know, cause they didn't do anything to me, but I just hated the fact that I was even there. Okay. The fact that I was even there. Um, so that, so that's really the bulk of, of what happened. Um, and so as I'm going through this, right. Um, I'm still dealing with family and, and other issues and things like that. Uh, really feeling some type of way about certain people in my family. Um, and this, uh, constant feeling of betrayal, right? And so at one point, I want to say maybe in September, around September, um, I had a conversation with another family member. Uh, they were, they had come into town and had a conversation with them and we were just conversing and, and, you know, they were telling me a lot of just kind of updating me and, and telling me, you know, how I need to work on my relationships with certain people and, you know, just kind of do better on my end when it comes to my relationships that I have with, with family members. And I told them, and I've said this a number of times to certain people just within conversation. One thing about me is I'm going to try my best, right? And I'm I'm the only person in my family who has gone through therapy, <clears throat> so my outlook on on um on life is different. My um approach to conflict is different. Um I'm still working on how to, you know, work with conflict because I just I hate conflict. I do I hate dealing with conflict, but um what is life without it, right? And so um but just my approach to my interpersonal relationships is very different. Um, when it, you know, and, and so I have always tried my absolute best to mend relationships with my family the best way I knew how. Unfortunately, a lot of my family members, um, are okay with dysfunction and, you know, no shade to them because that's all they know. And, there's only so much that you can do as an individual who does not like dysfunction and has done the work to unwind and to unwind the dysfunction in your own life and to make paths a little straighter. Um, it's very difficult for you when it comes to integration in your family dynamic. And so as the person who has done some work, has gone through healing journeys and continue to walk down these healing journeys, right? Um, I have come to the realization that my family just enjoys dysfunction. And I had to figure out how to maneuver around dysfunction in the family that is there. And so I told this particular family member, I said, I have washed my hands of relationships with certain people. And because of that, I am content with how my relationship is with this, with this person, these people, you know, I am. Would I love to have a better relationship with them? Yes. But am I going to continue to fight for it when there is no, um, reciprocity? No, I'm not going to, because why am I going to continuously dig, dig, and dig to create space when the other person or other people are just standing at the surface watching me? I'm not going to do it. Um, and the family member that I was talking to was like, well, 
there's nothing else that I can say. If you're content with how things are, then, hey. And I told him, I said, I, you know, I, I, that it is what it is. Um, and talking to him, I let them know that um, it really just is the reality of our situation. Um, <clears throat> until other people are willing, then I'm going to continue to do what I'm doing through all of the disappointments that I face, through all of the hardship that I face, through all of the ups and downs that I face, right? Um, I'm going to continue to do me. And, and so that was that. And I had the same conversation with somebody else. Um, where, yeah, I would love, I'm one, one thing about me though, too, also I'm always in a position to want, to want more, right? I'm always in a position where I'm willing to work on it. I'm willing to do the work, but I will not, (laughs) I will not do any work when others are not going to work with me. And I'm okay with that. After the after the passing of my father, I learned that um, family is important, right? Well, I always knew that, but <clears throat> when you lose somebody that you are close with, um, your outlook is very different, right? And you hear it all the time: "Oh, life is too short, and family is important." But when my father passed, one thing that I learned was. One, you have to learn to love people for who they are. The other thing that I learned was you love people not because they love you back, but because that's what you want to do. But it makes things a lot easier when they do love you back. And once you are able to accept people um, for where they are in life and um, and they are genuinely loving you the way that they know how, your relationship with those people are so much easier to have, even if they are not the ideal person that you wanted them to be, Right. Now, the issue with me and the rest of my family is the way that they love is conditional. They love you because they show you love in ways that to me just don't make sense, right? And because I've communicated with my family, hey, this is how, like, these are ways that I can receive love from you. These are ways that I cannot see receive love from you. This is a way. This is a way that I can um, receive support from you. Um, and these are ways that I cannot receive support from you. Like, I let my family know that, hey, okay, I I see what you have to give now the way that it translates from you to me is not going to work. So we can do this or we could do that and things like that. Um, but, but they're not responsive. And so when someone, when you let somebody know, Hey, this is how I need to be loved or treated. And they don't respond to that. Excuse me. Then you have to go about things the other way, another way. And so, um, so that's where I am with my family, right? I have learned that, unfortunately, um, they do what they want. And a lot of it doesn't align to me, doesn't work for me, and, um, and is not, is just not productive. And vice versa, oddly enough, when you start changing and healing and moving different, a lot of people don't know how to respond to it. So they deem it negative, 
right? And so I that has happened a lot with my family also. I have had a lot of conversations with my family and they have said, you know, um, because I communicate and express my feelings that I'm too emotional, uh, that I am... Uh, because I, I know boundaries and, (laughs) and have set boundaries that I'm sneaky, um, or that I'm a liar because I, um, don't, I just don't talk to certain people. I'll, I'll cut off people that I'm heartless, right. Or that I don't care. Um, and so, so I don't do it for my family all the time either. Right. So it's not just one sided. It's it's two sided, um, regardless of how much it makes sense or doesn't make sense. Right. That's <clears throat> that's my relationship with my family. So. Um, so anywho, um, after that family member left and, and had this conver- we had that conversation, they had a better understanding of why I treat people the way that I do in my family, um, certain people in particular. Um, and so they were like, well, I'm going to go back and have conversations with, you know, other family members. So that way I can let them know that not only did you lie to me, but, um, that what you told me about Leah is not actually true or you didn't tell the whole situation. Um, you left out key pieces, right? Uh, <clears throat> excuse me. So, So that was that. So this is about September, um, October comes around and, uh, I am starting to, I'm starting my transition from the shelter. Um, and, and through it all, right. I had so many days where I would just cry in my classroom. I would cry in my classroom. Um, I would cry on the way back to the shelter. I would be totally fine all day. And then I would walk into the shelter and just my whole mood would change. Right. Because, um, I would have days where I was like, you know, I've been wanting to be a teacher for such a long time and you have this wonderful job, your dream job, but yet your outside life is, um, is a mess. And so I would have moments and it really started to hit me more once I got closer to my transition out of the shelter. Um, so like the end of September, October was when it really started to just become difficult for me, um, to just want to get up. I hated, I hated my daily routine. I would have to get up at 4.30 every day to take a, an hour, an hour and a half, almost two hour bus ride to work um, and do that and be there and be, you know, show up for the kids every day. And then another half an hour back to the shelter just to be in a place with a bunch of miserable people and lesson plan and, and all of these things. And it was crazy. It's just the dynamic of it was crazy. Um, and so, um, so a lot of that, you know, no one really knew what was going on either. There were a lot of people in my life who had absolutely no idea that I was going through what I was going through. Um, and so, and, and still to this day, (laughs) A lot of people don't know that I was in a shelter for 90 days. Um, and so, uh, so yeah, there was, there was a lot of that too. Um, and so I, so I started to walk through, made some amazing connections with some women um, who have been my rock since being here. Uh, outside of, you know, my best friend, um, 
there are some ladies that I have connected with that, I mean, boy, did they help me through, honey. They helped me through. And still, there still are, right? Amazing friends, amazing uh, friendships that I have um, been able to to gain from that experience. Um, and these women have been just life-changing, right? And this is one of the things that, like, it's important to be mindful of the people that you have in your circle, right? Because you'll have some people that, some people come into your life for a lesson, some people come into your life for a season, and then some people are there forever, right? And, And I don't know, I don't know the duration of my friendship with these women, but I do know that, I know that if they weren't here with me um, and for me the way that they are, I don't know if I would have made it through those 90 days, 120 days, the way that I did. Um, and and even now, you know, like even our friendship now, um, I still am able to lean on them and with certain things and and just, you know, have that camaraderie, that uh, love, right? They're, they were... They they loved on your girl. They loved on your girl and still do. And, and I really appreciate them for that. Um, just because when you uproot yourself from your uh, peoples, right? So my best friend back in Virginia, um, that that girl, that's my ride or die. Um, and, and just the other people that were in my circle, uprooting from that to go somewhere where you don't have anybody right? Your relationship with the people where you're going isn't the greatest. Um, and it's a different city from where you've been previously, right? I'm in a place where I've never lived before. I did once in my life, right? But this is not my hometown. I'm not in a familiar place. So um, when you uproot yourself and you go somewhere brand new to you, um, with without a support system already there, it's difficult. And so being able to gain the support system that I have been able to gain has definitely been life-changing, life-altering. Um, and so and so I'm grateful for that, um, that God sent some people in my life that helped me through, baby, helped me through, helped me through. Um, but even through the, <clears throat> even through that time, there were a lot of things that rose up in me. Okay, a lot of things that God had to show me about me. I got a lot. I had baby when I tell you I had some anger in me Um, and the situation didn't help. Right. I'm not an angry person. I'm not a fighter. I'm not confrontational. Um, Being in a position. One thing that it showed me is being in certain positions will will show you certain facets of yourself. I know, (laughs) I know that there is a raging side of me that I have to work on. A lot of that is because of just the familial hurt that I have experienced, right? So being back on, being back on the West Coast, I didn't want to be here. That's, that's a dagger. Ending up in a homeless shelter because family didn't want to help you. That's another dagger. On top of already the wounds that you're trying to fix and heal, right? And then on top of that, you're just in a building with a bunch of bitter people. That that in itself, <laughs> that in itself will um, will prompt anybody to become uncouth and out of character. Um, and so, in this particular situation, the closer it became, uh, the closer it had gotten to me leaving this place, the more the more cares I no longer had to give just became so apparent. Okay. Um, baby, I threatened a couple people. I had some people who tried me and I had to let them know what's up. <laughs> I had one woman who decided she wanted to get hot headed with me. Um, and she was from Louisiana. So, you know, her new Orleans accent came out and, and I really had to get, I really had to show her, who she was talking to. And one of my friends was like, I knew that things got real when I saw how your lip, how your lips moved when you were talking. And I was like, that's crazy. 
Mm-hmm. I had another scenario where a woman decided she it backfired on her. She came to confront me and some other people that I was talking to. And she thought I was going to coward out. And I did not. And she wasn't anticipating the uh, honesty that I gave her. And so she left and came back and wanted to continue. And in the calmest voice that I could find, I just simply told her to go do something safe because her children, her children need a mother. So she might want to do something safe for her time. Now listen. (laughs) In that very moment, in that very moment, I was like, Leah, you are becoming unhinged. You're becoming unhinged. Sit down. Please sit down. Oh, my heavens. And in that moment, I was like, yeah. I mean, I knew this before. I, I did. I knew this beforehand and and well before, well before. But in that moment, I was like, yeah, baby, it's time to go back to therapy. Because <laughs> we got some things that we need to unpack here. Because you indirectly just threatened this woman's life. You did. You did. We we got we got some work to do, baby. <laughs> but tragedy, trauma, tra- trauma will will up will show its face to you in some ways, baby, and will let you know about yourself. Will definitely let you know about yourself. Um and I wouldn't necessarily say that this was a traumatic experience. I don't believe that I would go as far to say that. Um, But it was something, honey. It was something that I never thought in my life that I would ever have to experience and or go through. Okay. So, um, so yeah. So October came around and I got approved for my apartment and um, I was making my way out of that place. Um, and uh and so november was the time when i left um and so leaving that place and coming into my own place was such a crazy experience because i haven't been in my own place for 10 years um, I rented rooms um, because I was, you know, going through school and just a lot of different things. When I moved to Virginia, they have more more often than not houses have uh, basements, and so a lot of people turn their basements into apartments and will rent them out. And so I had a basement apartment, right, but not my own complete space. Um, and so when I moved into my place, you know, I had no furniture, it was empty, it was just me. And I cried. I cried, I cried, I cried because I'm in my own spot, right? I got friends and people who do love me. I got a support system here and I got a support system back in Virginia. Um... I got women that I can call on. I got older women that I can come to for wise counsel. Um, I left my job at teaching because I realized that that was absolutely not what I wanted to do (laughs) anymore. Um, And funny side note, as an educator, because I will always consider myself an educator, um, I have realized that as an educator, There are certain communities that I just don't want to be a part of. And I have learned that I do not like, I don't like teaching affluent students. I don't. Working and teaching in an affluent community is not where I want to be at. I would love, I want to (laughs) teach, I want to teach in the communities where people is on food stamps, where they are, and it's weird to say that, 
But I would I would much rather teach in communities where population of students are a little under average. It might be difficult, and I get that. But give me the struggling struggling population kids. Because working with people who got money is crazy. Especially the children. And the parents are 10 times worse than the kids. Don't get me wrong. I know that in the underprivileged schools and and areas like that, parents are still bad, okay? I'm not going to say that they're not. They are still trash. But the the way that I teach and who I am as an educator, I am just more effective in those environments. Learn that very much so. Um, so yeah, so I left my job teaching, um, in October, November, about that time. Um, so I was out of work, which was crazy. Um, I had gotten a car and then that was even more wild and I had to return the car to the dealership. So just going through more stuff, right? Just going through more stuff. Um, December comes around, uh, I get a new job, very unorthodox to what I'm normal what I'm used to um and now I'm and now and and so and then that's the year right that's December that's walk out of December I walk out of 2023 leaving all of my hurt and and past experience there excuse me um and now we're here in 2024. Um, and I personally am so excited and elated to what is getting ready to happen in my life. Because so many things are unraveling in 2024 um and i just i'm thankful that i went through what i went through because it definitely tugged on my faith i definitely had to um work on my faith i definitely had to um go through these go through these things to get to where i'm going this year and one thing that I will always say is I'll never change my past. If I had the opportunity to do something over, um, I'm not going to change it. Because one thing about me is uh, one thing that I've learned about myself and one thing that I've learned about God through this walk <laughs> is that God be sending me through some trials, dog. He be sending me through some trials. And I always come back and be like, to get me where you need me to go and to teach me a lesson, you ain't got to do me like this. (laughs) You don't have to do me like this. But then I also think about it like, you know what? You probably right because if it had been done any other way, I wouldn't be where I am today. (laughs) So I did. I I know that. I know that. Um, But I wouldn't change. I wouldn't change my valley lows because they do make me who I am. And it does give God a reason to show and prove himself to me. And it sets me up for the things that are to come. So as as hurtful as 2023 was, all the tears that I had shed in 2023 um, it is watering the fertile ground that's about to harvest this year. And baby, let me tell you something. Y'all ain't going to be able to tell me nothing in 2024. Cause I'm about to blow everybody's mind. I'm about to blow the roof off this joint. Okay. I'm about, God, y'all don't even know. Things is about to be popping. Do you hear me? I'm. It's about to be pop in in 2024 for me 
And so y'all are along the journey, right? Y'all are here. Y'all are here for the journey. And I'm happy that you're here with me. Probably the longest episode that I've ever recorded in my life. Um, (laughs) But I love y'all. And y'all here, and y'all been rocking with me. Y'all been rocking with me, okay? Y'all been rocking with the girl, your kid. And so we're going to do it up. And I'm doing it up for y'all this year, too. So all the things that I promised y'all back in 2023 that I just could not do because life was whooping me. Baby, we are busting out in 2024. Some amazing things that are coming that are getting ready to happen. And I'm so excited. Um, And y'all are here along the journey with me. So I love y'all. Thank you for allowing me to be vulnerable with y'all, to tell y'all what's going on in my life, being here with me. um, Because things is about to get crazy. And I love y'all for real. Um, So my heart to y'all. And I know y'all giving me your heart too and love and all of that. And I appreciate you. Okay. So remember, come back next week. Another episode next week. We are more than halfway through season eight, baby. Um, season nine is around the corner. Let me know. Talk back to me, y'all. I'm going to start talking more to you, <laughs> talking more. Um, but let me know what y'all want to hear upcoming. Um, look out for some guests. Um, that's coming soon. We going to have some guests on this season. I know I promised y'all some guests this season. So we got some people for you. Um, and so let me know what y'all want to hear about topics, anything, whatever, you know, I'm here, let you know all about my thoughts, um, on stuff. And so we going to get the rest of this uh, season popping and then gearing up for season nine. All right. All right, y'all. I love you. Do something amazing this week. Uh, do something life-changing, life-altering this week. Um, do something that's going to better your life whichever way possible. Um, and and just, we're doing up. We are going up, baby. 2024, we're up. All right? Um, tell somebody you love them, but before you do that, send in the military yourself that you love yourself. Because if you don't love you, can't nobody love you. But guess what, baby? I'm going to always love you. I'm going to always love you, all right? I'll see you next week, bright and early, 7 p.m. Pacific Standard Time, okay? I love y'all. I'll see you next week. Bye.